Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, you heard the great man. We are back for another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker in studio. We got a lot to talk about. EPL transfer day, deadline deals, as well as EPL thoughts. I guess we can just call it European Transfer Deadline Day, not EPL. NHL, free agency and draft day thoughts, NFL, and NBA all in one episode. So let's get our hosts in so we can get going. Joining me, as always, through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone are my two great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. It's a nice, warm, beautiful day today, so I cannot complain. It is nice. It's like... It was like 22 when I was driving here, so it's always good. And Irfan, how are you doing today, bud? Good. Lucky you guys. It was like 10 degrees this morning. <laughs> Sucks to I'm suck. I'm like freezing my ass off here. Oh, whatever, man. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, but life's good. Everything's good. Yeah. That's good to hear. I mean, in the crazy times that it is, anytime you can say life's good is always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get right into it. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to start off with our kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy, calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for a year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And today, let's start off with the EPL. And Irfan, I know you had a great show this week with Touchline Thoughts, giving your roundup on the transfer deadline and EPL and stuff like that. So why don't you get us started? Let us know your thoughts and what you guys did in that show. Sure. Thanks, Nick. Um, so we didn't spend too much time on it, which is great because we get to do that. But I did a quick roundup of the transfer that occurred on Monday between like Bayern, United, Everton, Arsenal, Juve, like the major clubs and what they pulled off and teams that were scouting players and some surprises, right? So for me personally, out of Monday, I was surprised with United. And I think Nick probably shares the same sentiment is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had a list of players and a list of targets and none of them got bought and we got a bunch of no names and albeit... They got some two like two good young players in Traore and Palestri, but like I feel like late buys on Edison Cavani and Alex Tellez really showed what United is worth going into. Like they're they're decent, but it really showed that I, I feel like United doesn't have the same pull in the transfer market as Real Madrid might have or PSG or City have or Liverpool have had over the last couple of years. And I think that's a testament to the change in in play style and the change in direction that united have been through over the last few years that's that's an interesting thought and i'm i'm gonna sort of 
debate it here for a second. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily that United doesn't have as big of a pull as they used to. I think the problem is that they're going after guys that a lot of the clubs don't want to give up. Like, if you look at the list of names of players that they wanted to go after to start the transfer window, it was Jaden Sancho, who Dortmund was adamant they didn't really want to let go and they were going to stick to whatever price they set, and United kept trying to lowball them, right? Mm-hmm. They want to go after these big player names. And unfortunately, they're not smart enough to do the business the way they used to, where if you want to go after a big Mm. name, you kind of have to meet the price of the other team because he's a big name. Whereas getting in like a player like Alex Tellez, which was sort of who they wanted to get in the left back position anyway. Maybe they wanted someone a little bit bigger, but Tellez wasn't wasn't necessarily a guy who was that far out of reach for them. It just took a lot longer than it should have. I'll agree with you on that, but they got who they wanted. Now, is that going to help? In my opinion, no. Like, their problem wasn't wingback. Their problem was centre-back. Maybe depth at wingback was an issue, and Tellez does obviously clean that up, but their their issue is centre-back and centre-defensive mid. They don't have a second centre-back to play with their big man, Harry Maguire. And debating on whether Harry Maguire is enough of a center back in the EPL is a whole nother topic that we can take, I don't know, four weeks to argue, you and me, Irfan. Kyle, I know you would have some very fun thoughts on that as well, by the way. Um, but the problem is, is, isn't the wingback position. It's not the winger position. It's not the striker position. The problem is center back and center defensive mid. And they did nothing to address that. Nothing at all to address that. That's where the United has the issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, oh, sorry. I was going to say. No, no, no. I, go for it. I, I, think, I think Menu's honestly lost their, as you're saying, I think they lost their grip on being one of those powerhouses that um, everybody wants to go to and everybody needs to go to. Um, I, I still think they have the they have the aura about them that being a top team but in reality, I think a lot of more people are looking into it right now being they're not that top team compared to, you know, going to, you know, one of the more powerhouses right now, like, you know, going to Barca or going to wherever it may be. Um, and it seems like a lot more people are trying to go, you know, go home type thing. Um, you know, be closer to home, go to Italy, go to Spain, go wherever it may be um, comparatively to, to, to Man U itself. So I don't know. What? But is that is that a product of the team not doing well, or is that a product of the person who was trying to make the transfers happen in Ed Woodward? Like, is it is it his issue? Because it's only been the last few years that it's really started to seem like no one wants to go to United. But then if you ask the players, they want to play for the badge. So is mm-hmm. it coming down to something during the transfers that all of a sudden he gets in the transfer room and they're like, yeah, I don't want to go there anymore. Like, so yeah, I, think, I think I think if that changes, does it go back to the way it used to be, Irfan? Well, I think it's a bit of both there, right? Because United hasn't been a top two, top three contender consistently, For sure, right? And and teams want a chance at a at a trophy, not hey, we might finish fourth or we might finish sixth this year, right? Like that outlook isn't as clear or positive as it used to be and then the comparison also comes back to is is Sir Alex Ferguson in the room or is it Ed Woodward like that's the difference right Right. like when Fergie when Fergie's there he demands the room he demands attention and you know what you give him that space you give him that attention and players go shit I want to play for this guy 
But Woodward walks in and you're like, okay, the guy has money. What else does he have? He doesn't have a good reputation. He doesn't have the pedigree of the soccer world. Um, I'm going to milk him as much as I can. And then if he says something stupid, peace, I'm done. Yeah. And, and I think that's how it's been going. And Cavani made the statement. And this is like this is a statement that I, I think really reigns true to what United is right now. I've had conversations with the manager, and this has increased my desire to wear the, this beautiful shirt when he was talking about United. Do you know who he doesn't mention in that? Woodward. Woodward. He talked to Ole, who is a prodigy of the Sir Alex Ferguson era. No, I shouldn't say prodigy. He's a product of the Sir Alex Ferguson era. Yeah. And now he wants to wear the shirt. Or has a bigger desire to wear the shirt because he had it. Yeah, clearly he had a little bit of a desire beforehand because he's been linked to United for how many years, years now? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that tells you a lot. Like there, there is desire to wear that crest. There is a desire to play for that club. But something is going on from that point to the actual signing point that is causing people not to come. And I think that's the biggest issue for United right now. And the fact that they have no clue what they actually need, but yeah. regardless, um, yeah. And I, 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 I think the the other biggest part is, as Erpon was saying, is they're not a true contender right now. Yeah. And that's that's one of the biggest problem. Obviously, there is problems with obviously personnel and maybe not get bringing in the people they want because obviously, Bergie was up and away one of the best people you possibly could oh, yeah. have, um, and you know. Pretty much since then, it's kind of gone downhill slowly from from when he left. Um, obviously, there were signings in between, but not comparatively. Um, and then it was just one of those, yeah. Are, are they true? Are they a true contender? And does a young, you know, up and coming forward really want to go there, or defender, or whatever it may be, want to go there and come in third, fourth, fifth, potentially even missing out on extra football, right? So, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's let's get away from the United talk maybe a little Irfan. Where what else surprised you? Uh well, I liked how Bayern shored up some depth. I don't know if you guys got to see that, but Douglas Costa coming back was a good approach. I think he brings stability on that wing when you don't know what you're going to get from Leroy Sané following an injury. Um they haven't been leaning on Kinsley Coleman, which is surprising in my opinion, but you know, bringing him in, then bringing in a backup forward with uh, Motang, who I don't think he's going to play as much because Lewandowski's a force. Um, and then they brought in a potential replacement for Javi Martinez and Roca. So I think Bayern did a good job being quiet on Monday and picking up like decent players that are going to uh, improve their depth. And I think that's what they need is depth because I think they're going to challenge on all fronts again. Yeah, and when you when you have a club that good, you kind of just need the depth so that you can throw two different lineups out. I was having this conversation in class. Um, United's B squad right now is playing better than the A squad because they're they're playing a system. Sometimes you need that B squad of depth players just to play the right system to keep your winning streak going. And Bayern looks like they filled out that B squad nicely. Um, I was surprised by Arsenal. And what they mm. did at the deadline, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about them quickly, and then we'll get Kyle's big surprise of the deadline. Um, <laughs> bringing in Thomas Party was, I think, a really smart move for Arsenal. I was a little surprised they let Genenduzi go, um, but 
the as I mentioned, the party move was huge, and I think that helps shore up the middle of their their park really, really well. And they're really one David Luis injury away from being a top three team. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can't seem to not start him, but if he's not there, I feel like they are a very, very solid team. Um, what do you think about that one, Irfan? Uh, Haley and I discussed it a little bit. She was super pumped, obviously, and she said she said the same thing. Like David Luiz is the Achilles heel, basically, of this team, and if they can get away from him, I think Arsenal is a top four team in the EPL. And I know it's not a stretch anymore because they got rid of two outcasts that aren't really playing for him for Arteta, right? Yeah. Um, and they brought in a guy who can distribute, can defensively change the game. Um, He's an upgrade on Granite Xhaka for sure. Um, and or he, he can also sit in the midfield of Granite Xhaka. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Arsenal did some good business, albeit I think that Letty are a little pissed off with the way they approached the situation. Yeah. Um, and that's that's bad blood, which isn't great if you're trying to improve your team in the future. But in reality, they picked up a player, they said they would go get, and they did it, right? Yeah. And that's the difference between a lot of teams that are you know throwing out lists but aren't getting their players right for sure um kyle what was your surprise of deadline day um or the transfer market as a whole i guess well to be honest it was how much how much event is spent actually is probably what mine is um with spending almost 80 million on arthur um and then you look at they also picked up chiesa on a, a loan it wasn't as bad it's 11 million dollar loan but could have been a lot worse, I guess, if we bought him. Um, and then just the fact that they seem to be shoring up on the offensive end and trying to score more is at least what it seems to be like, um, which to me, I didn't know if they really had to shore that up. I think it was more keeping the goals out of the net. It was, it was their biggest problem. Yeah. Um, but that's, but like actually. that's my biggest thing. Yeah, it, it, like, really. But like, And then, obviously, um, my team in Chelsea was um, – I was kind of surprised with – how much they actually spent. I knew they had the ability to, but I'm actually surprised how much they actually spent. Um, and I was kind of disappointed in what they were bringing in up until they brought in Chilwell. I think Chilwell kind of, um, I guess, sufficed what they actually brought in because um, bringing in Averts um, and Werner um, added to an offense that they didn't really have a problem scoring goal last year. It's very, very much like Juventus. They didn't have a problem scoring the goal. It was keeping the ball out of the net. And I think um, bringing in Chilwell definitely shores up a little bit of that, the left side of that defense. So, For sure. And Mendy. Mendy, too. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, you don't have to start Kepa anymore. Yeah. Well, right now it's Ca- Calavero. Or that's that's because Mendy so. had to do his quarantine or whatever. No, I know, but even then, they <laughs> they they weren't taking a chance on Kepa starting any games up until. Oh like, yeah, no, I, yeah, right sorry. Goalie. That's what I mean. Like they, they're trying not to let that guy ever see the space between the two posts ever again. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Can you like let's let's actually look back at this? I love this. Two years ago, you and me had a conversation about Kepa joining Chelsea, and Ooh. how a lot of people were really high, saying, "Oh, he's going to be the next David David De Gea in the EPL." Yeah. Look how things have changed. That's incredible. <laughs> Two years. Oh, yeah. He's gone from the next I mean, De Gea to he's not allowed to start a game in any competition. Guys, <laughs> De Gea doesn't look like De Gea. Is it? Either. To be fair, like outside of the last game where 
United look god awful against Tottenham. De Gea's mm-hmm. actually looked good this year. They've lost a lot of like one nothing games, two one games. That and if you watch the goals, it's not his fault. Like the ones that he can save, he is saving. Yeah. In in but, his defense. But he doesn't look like De Gea. No, but that's no. what I'm saying. I actually think he does look like De Gea. It's just because the team is giving up like sitters that he can't do anything about that everyone is like, oh, he's given up. I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but he's given up X amount of goals this year. It's like, yeah, but how many of those could he actually have saved? Could anybody actually have saved? Well, If you put any goalie but, in net, how many of them are saved? But De Gea, whenever he was talking about him being the best goaltender in the world, I, probably would have saved some of those. Though. No, I, that's what I'm saying. A lot of the goals that I've seen are ones that he had no, no one had a chance to save. Like, you can't save. Mm. Like, that goal that I, McGuire pulled Shaw down in front of the net. No goalie is saving that no. from five yards out. It's not happening. No. <laughs> I don't care I don't yeah. care who you are. When I, when I refer to David De Gea being David De Gea, I think it's his confidence level, and he I, th- and I, don't, I, I don't know if it's it his is. confidence level in himself or his confidence level in his center backs, though. It's one of that. It's one <laughs> of the confidence level, and I think it, you can see it that you know when when they're on the turn and they have to defend, something's off, right? Like something's off. It isn't like, hey, I know I'm gonna make that save. Yeah. Or it's like, shit, I might not make this save now. Yeah, I get what you're saying for sure. And I think, right, and I think that's the difference. Yeah. No, I I agree with you 100. percent I agree with both of you. It's not the same, David De Gea. Um, quick hot take for the EPL. Ready for this, boys? Yep. This is a good one. Um, I, I, I want to say my United hot take, but I'm just going to leave that one because if I say it, it's going to happen anyway. It probably will happen anyway at this point. So we'll I think you should it. share it. Okay, my hot take for United, pff, they will finish outside the top 10 this year. They're not going to get relegated. There's not going to be an issue of them being at like the very bottom, but the way they're playing, the way their defense is, and the fact that their offense can't figure out how to pass the ball to each other, they're outside the top 10. Um, and I think Leeds United could finish inside the... I, I'm pretty sure they're going to finish inside the top seven, but I think they could finish the season in the top four in a Champions League spot, which would be incredible. But Okay, what was your other hot take? That was both of them. Oh, was both United of them. outside okay. the top 10 and Leeds inside the top four. So where do you think Everton ends up now, considering how well the way they're played? playing? They could yeah. finish. They could also finish in the top four. I'm thinking in the five six range though. Mm. Yeah, they did some good business. They picked up another defender and they yeah. picked up a, a keeper to replace potentially. Jordan and also Pickford. the Rodriguez well, the, deal was picking massive. up Jaime is probably the biggest one. That's the biggest yeah. deal for them for sure. So and it was a free loan too, which is a whole different story. Is it a loan? Um, I thought it was a transfer. Or sorry, it was a sorry free transfer. It was a transfer, sorry. right? Good for him. Yeah. Um, is anybody worried about where Man City is sitting right now? Or is it too early to judge? I'm not con- – if I'm a City fan, I'm not overly concerned because they've had a tough opening schedule. Um, I, I, everyone, like, looked past Leeds, and I think that was a mistake on a lot of teams' parts to look past yeah. Leeds. Um, but I'm not overly concerned. With like like in in my opinion, it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, the Leeds one, it kind of came out of nowhere first yeah. game of the year. Like, yeah. I, I get that, um, but then getting losing five two to Leicester is like one of those ones where it's, does that, to me, does that worry you? Because Leicester was a what five six team last year. Um, yeah, but they really, they, really, they, they were they felt 
they faced a lot of injuries last year in in their defense. Like they didn't really, they couldn't really get their feet under them for a very long stretch of time. And then at the end of the year, you saw when everyone was healthy, they looked like the Leicester that we've seen the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, 5-2, yeah, that's a bit of a surprise. But that was also the weekend that Liverpool lost 7-2 and United lost 6-1. It was just an odd weekend. 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 I think it was a full Wasn't it a weekend before? I yeah, believe it was because uh, Leicester lost three nothing that same you're weekend. Right, yeah. You're right. I, I apologize, but, but no, no. But I think that City lost though was they gave up three penalties and you can't do that. Yeah, and I don't think anyone saw that happening. You, you can't do three that. Penalties. That's just not. That's well, not a thing. Say, is anybody else surprised about the awesome Villa beating them seven two? Like, no. Am I surprised they, that it was seven two? Yes, I'm surprised it was seven two. Am I surprised that yeah. Liverpool lost a game that they shouldn't have? No. <laughs> no, Villa did a good piece of uh, transfers this year with bringing Watkins, who's a better striker. Grealish looks happier. Um, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. No, what's his name? Barkley. It's not Charles Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley. That's a, thank Ross you. Guys, it's horrible. But Ross. <laughs> if Charles Barkley's playing soccer, we got a wall of problems. <laughs> Put him up in the front. Um, no, but like they brought in some good players, and I, I think that this team wants to stay up. And, I think they I think will this what, year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised it was seven two, but I'm not surprised it won because yeah. they played really well. So I guess I guess my biggest question would be: Is this going to be a lot more competitive of a year than Pete than previous years, where it seemed to be there was like a maybe a one two race um, for the top, and then realistically it was a maybe three or four more teams to fill out that top five and six. Is it going to be a lot closer this year based on competition? Irfan, I'll let you I go, would, and then I'll give my answer. Yeah, I would say I'd give it up to to Christmas because everyone's still fresh, and they had a good off season. Like it was like a quick turnaround, so I think they're a little fresh. It'll be like that until Christmas, and then once the new year hits, I, I think you'll see the horses that have the depth really right. pull away, and I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I think top two is probably just going to be the same top two from last year. I think it'll be, it'll come down to those two. I don't think anyone else will really be close as Irfan said after Christmas, but the three through nine or 10 race is going to be interesting this year. I don't think it's going to be United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham. I I don't think, I don't think that's how it's going to be like every other year, or I should throw Lester in there too. I apologize, Lester fans. I didn't mean to like Lester's in there too. It's going to be like eight teams fighting for European spots, whether it be Champions League or Europa League. Like, it'll be fun. Um, We've always said the EPL, though, is the most competitive league in Europe, one through 20. So it'll be interesting to see what actually happens this year. Um, We're also talking about beginning of the year upsets. Bayern and Dortmund both lost in the German League, not to each other. (laughs) Like... It's a weird year. Something is in the water in Europe it's, and no one can really figure out, no one can really figure out how to get their feet under them yeah. uh, to start the season. So it'll be interesting to see where everyone does end up and I'm excited for the rest of the season rest of the seasons I guess in Europe. Um That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. We'll take a quick break and be right back after this with some NHL talk here on Garage Door Sports. 
we are back. NHL had not only a draft this week, but it was also the start of NHL free agency. Um, let's start with the draft, boys. Were there any big surprises, any storylines that you wanted to talk about? I know it was kind of a weird year because it wasn't in person. It was through Zoom. There was a lot of players that we haven't seen in eight, nine months. Uh, some players have been back playing in Europe. So let's start with you, Kyle. What was your biggest takeaway from the NHL draft this year? Um, I think the biggest takeaway was the amount of trades that actually happened. Maybe not necessarily the first round, but um, it almost seemed like it was almost an NFL-style draft where it seemed, you know, okay, our players up there, we want to go get them. And in my opinion, you really didn't see that as much before in previous years. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot like the NFL where it's, you know, they trade 36 for 65 and 95, whatever it may be, yeah. and just trying to stockpile draft picks. And um, to me, that, that was one of the more surprising aspects. Um, the, other, the other aspects, I guess, would be um, kind of the fall of some of the players, right? Cole Perfetti was supposed to potentially go top four or five. Ends, ends up going in number 10. Um, and then uh, there was a defenseman, uh, what's his name? Um, Sanderson. Drysdale. Oh, San, San, Sanderson went instead of Drysdale. Uh, that doesn't surprise me as much, but to me it was more um, Aurier, who was supposed to pinch to be a second-round Aurier? Yeah. St. John's, uh, John's Sea Dogs, I can't remember his name. Um, was supposed to go in potentially first, second round, ended up going in the third round. So, um, there's definitely some, uh, fallers and some surprise picks, um, that occurred. And, uh, I guess that's really my, my real take of it. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I agree. It was, uh, it was interesting to see the trades. Uh, we don't usually get that in an NHL draft, but we definitely did this year. Uh, Irfan, what about you? What were your thoughts, man? Um, I really appreciated how the teams drafted, you know, like they had little stories or they had like Alex Trebek calling your name out or um uh doug wilson doing sign language for i can't remember his name but the player for his mom like that was really cool like i think everyone came up with yeah everyone came up with this really really cool idea of drafting because i mean you're limited in person but i don't know i really like that portion of it because like for the fans that got a chance to watch or the people that were covering it it made it fun and i think that's what was important was how do you engage your audience? And and I, and I really liked how they did that. And I really liked seeing Alex Trebek looking good. So that was that was my highlight for sure. Yeah, that was that was an interesting one. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, wow, the Ottawa Senators did something right. Uh, <laughs> because we got an <laughs> they already did something, something right in the draft, and they haven't <laughs> even made a pick yet. Um, I was laughing though. Could you imagine if uh, Stutzel had been taken by LA to pick before? Like, I know they probably oh. recorded multiple versions of it with different player names, but, like, yeah. if they only recorded yeah. one and he was taken. Yep. Hey, guys, we got to throw out the Trebek thing. Don't use it. Don't throw it out there. Don't, Don't use them. Don't use them. Guys, yeah, no. So my question to you guys is, let's say, you know how the, the Leafs were holding the jersey of their player, right? Like, the yeah. one they drafted? Um what happens if you don't get them? Like, have they made multiple jerseys? No, so like, what I'm they do super... is the name bars. Yeah they, press... yeah, they just press the name bar on. It literally, oh, it, it literally takes 30 seconds. Oh. So they probably had, you know, three or four made up of the players they wanted. Um, and then just, you know, as they're going up, because they have the five minutes, they literally press it on and just give it to the jersey. Oh, they just, I they see start that. throwing out the ones time. that they're, that are they're already giving, out. 
So they're given time to essentially press the jersey, not make their pick. Yeah, like it literally takes. Well, they have to. They have to figure out which one they the want to put on the jersey. You have to remember that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was surprised that the Leafs got Amaroff. Uh, to be honest, he was a top five uh, European skater going into the draft. Um, I wasn't sure. Like, I mean, you got Stutzel, you got Raymond up there, you got Holtz up there as well. Like those, he was like the next, next European player with Lundell. And getting him at fifteen, that's a that's a pretty big get for the the uh, Leafs. Unfortunately, not really a position of need necessarily. But when you get a player that could be as good as he has the potential to be, you kind of make that move anyway. Um, and yeah, I love the Aussie thing. Uh, I think that was fantastic by the Sharks. I think they show that they are their organization as a whole is one of the classiest organizations. You never really hear anything bad about the Sharks organization. Um, even better, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Brent Burns actually like crashed Aussie's media availability to say <laughs> welcome to the team. That's awesome. While he was on date night with his wife. <laughs> like it, I guess it was like it's a Zoom call availability, right? Because that's kind of right. how everything is this these days. And he got the link and jumped in and said, "Hey, man, welcome to the team. Just wanted to let you know, like we're all really excited to have you, sort of thing." And yeah, I'm just here with my wife on date night, so I'm gonna go now. But thanks, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's that is cool. You don't get that very often when it comes to uh, to NHL players because. Let's be honest. NHL players are told to be, "Hey, here's well, your here's your eight cliches that you're gonna say. That's all you get, sort of thing." Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm here so I don't do get that. fined. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but the NFL players usually say more than Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> looks like Kyle. Yeah. It looks like you want to say something. No, I was gonna say that the the other thing about the draft that kind of um, made me chuckle a little bit. Um, was the delay on some of the players getting another response where it's like they pan the camera over to them and then like 10 seconds later they're reacting. It's like, okay, that's a lot of dead air that they were not expecting whatsoever. And it was just, it was just kind of funny to see how organized but unorganized it was at the same time. Yeah. It was just kind of yeah. kind of funny in that aspect. Well, the, it's crazy though because like some of the guys were like right on time. So if you saw the Aussie uh, reaction – it was it was almost like they knew beforehand because they were they were already like jumped up hugging each other by the time the camera went on them. <laughs> it was like, yeah. What? And then some guys they they you would sit there and the guy you could tell the guy on the sports net I was watching sports net but so the guy on the sports net desk was like, how long do I wait before I say something? How long do I wait? And then he would start to say something and then someone like would like move in the camera. And you'd be like, oh, maybe they got it now. Nope, they didn't get it. Okay, I guess we got to go back. Oh, and, and then the, some of the coaches holding up the jersey and just like standing there, they're just like, how long are we standing here? <laughs> and like they wouldn't pan the camera away, so he's just standing there for like twenty seconds, holding the jersey. He's like, I don't want to be here right now. Can you take? Well, the, the best away? one was Mitch Marner, in my opinion. He was yeah. he looked so awkward at that podium, had no clue what he was doing. Um, well, that's because he wasn't he wasn't expecting to announce a forward's name. He was probably expecting a defensive to go off there. or a big forward. Yeah. Um, another thing I, I wanted to bring up, and you and me actually talked about this, Kyle, uh, while the draft was going on. Did any – did Irfan, I'm going to sort of pose this to you because me and Kyle, are, I've already had the conversation, but did you notice that Gary Bettman didn't look good? Like he looked sort of sick 
he didn't he didn't look right i guess is the statement that i want to say um, uh no i didn't get a chance to watch okay, the draft was getting work done i mean our garage door sports network account did a fantastic job covering it and i yeah. think that's what i was getting my updates and as well as yeah. the score but uh good job Vardy. uh yeah. but no like i didn't i didn't get a chance to watch it i was just i was just waiting for updates but no yeah uh, i might go back and look at it did he not look well or he, he didn't not at all he looked he looked sort of withered like uh, almost like, exhausted. like he, was, he looked sick it almost looked like an alien came down and drained all the fluids out of his yeah, body. Yeah, like he looked he looked sick. Like. It didn't look right, and I don't know what it was. Maybe it could have just been the lighting, too. Like, I'll, I'll admit, it could just be the lighting in whatever studio he was in not being right. But he didn't look good. He looked skinny. He looked like he wasn't feeling well. And Did I'm, he get booed this year? Uh, There's no one there to boo. I was going to say, I don't think they did. There's no boo track. There was no one there to boo. How would he have been booed? <laughs> You know the food inspector from Ratatouille? That's kind of what he looked like. Yeah, that's that is okay, a that is a good comparison actually. Yeah. I was just I was thinking about it, like yeah like that's literally what it looked like. It looks yeah. like dark under the eyes and everything is. Yeah, he just he didn't look right, and like it could be just a blip. He could be fine. I hope like I do hope he's fine. Like as much as we all rip on commissioners and stuff like. He's a human being. I hope he's okay. But something just yeah. didn't look right mm-hmm. during that draft. And I, I mentioned it to Kyle. I'm like, mm-hmm. is he is something wrong? Like, is it just my TV? Maybe like he didn't look good. Um, no, but it is what it is, right? So that'll do it for our NHL draft talk. Let's jump into the free agency. And free agency opened yesterday, and we got some big moves. Sort of when it came to goalies, I guess we got big moves. Uh, it's market. players didn't really move until ted- well late last night and into this morning and some of them didn't even move they just re-signed but uh let's start with the goaltenders and Braden holpe is now a vancouver canuck matt murray got traded to the ottawa senators signed in an extension um who am i missing Corey crawford is now a new jersey devil henrik yeah. lundquist is now a washington capital so i guess my uh prediction of him going to uh, Vancouver is out and St. Louis is out, but hey, whatever. It is what it is, right? Um, yeah. Was yeah, there any goaltenders that really surprised you where they ended up or uh, anything of that nature, boys? Oh, sorry, what was the question? Goalies. Any any goalie moves really surprise you? Um, The Markstrom deal kind of surprises me, not necessarily where oh, he went, Markstrom. Um, to be honest, it's more where how much he got. Um, paying him six million dollars for six years is a lot. By the way, he went to the Flames. If everybody doesn't know that, thank you. Um, uh, to me, that 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 was a little bit extreme on my end. Um, I think there's definitely some better goaltenders out there for less money. Um, but we knew he was the hot commodity this offseason. We knew there's a chance he got a little bit overpaid. So um, that kind of accepts that fact. Um, I love I love the Holtby deal in Vancouver. I think that has potential to be huge. Um, it gives Demko a solid one A option to run with him, basically, um, and really uh, really teach him ins and outs of the games. Apparently, as soon as he signed, he asked for Demko's number. Oh yeah. Um, to go contact him. So like to me, that's the type of thing that um, I love. And honestly, with that as well, I love the Lundqvist signing. 
in Washington. You know, have signing him for a million and a half, um, have him right behind Samsonov and being, you know, that 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 backup option really and that the leadership. Because um, Lundqvist can tell Samsonov anything he possibly want to know about NHL, that division, anything you want, he can he can help out. So I think that's great. For sure, Irfan, your thoughts on the goaltending moves? Um, I think I'll go with the same one. I, I was surprised Jakob Markstrom ended up in Calgary. Um, I'm, I think for Vancouver fans, that's a bit of a disappointment coming off his two years. Um, but I also agree with you in the sense that six years for six million per year is a little extreme. Like he'll be 36 by the time this contract ends up. Let's say. Um, I probably would have given him a four-year deal, but I guess that would have changed the AAV, and I don't think Calgary wanted to do that. Um, and something about, you know, Vancouver goaltenders and Edmonton goaltenders and Calgary goaltenders just kind of, like, playing in between the three, uh, I just find that ri- a little ridiculous. It's like, okay, well, I didn't do well in Edmonton. I'm going to go to Calgary now. Oh, Sorry, I didn't different do well here. Western uh, Conference Canadian team. Uh... Yeah. It's just the Jets are like, we want nothing to do with it. We like Connor. We're not going to screw you all. You guys. <laughs> um, but, yeah. it, you know, I was surprised that as well that Chicago decided to go with uh, Malcolm Subban and another young goalie. I know Corey Crawford was has been injured, um, but he also got good money, which is surprising. You know, I mean, obviously he got it for his pedigree, um, but I, I feel like Chicago needed to keep them in the sense that are they really set in goaltending because they no. didn't really make a run for money like they didn't make a run for anybody off that market right yeah. like uh, so something to watch out like if you still have Taves and Kane I think you're still supposed to be competitive and I don't think that gives them the edge at all right no for sure um but like Subban didn't go to Chicago like he was already in their team he just resigned right. so like, right. that that's something that needs to be pointed out um yeah the the markstrom deal was a for a lot of money i think it's a good move for the flames to get him for sure i think that helps shore up a little bit of their goaltending issues because let's be honest no one knows who their starter was for the last couple years as much as riddich was the starter there were times where he wasn't the starter and that's a problem um the other deal, the other big money deal, I will say, is the Matt Murray deal, uh, where he signed with the Senators after being acquired in a trade. Uh, by the way, if you want to laugh, listen to 20 Minutes on Ice, because that deal broke while we were recording, while I was on Cap Friendly. So I went from looking at the trade section on Cap Friendly just to see what, what was happening and then I clicked on the Ottawa Senators name and all of a sudden Matt Murray was in their lineup, like in their team. I was like, what just happened? Like he wasn't on the trades. When did he become a Senator? Like what the hell is going on? <laughs> we had to, me and Ryan went back and forth. It was very funny exchange. I highly recommend to listen there. Um, <laughs> but 6.25 for Matt Murray, who after his playoff runs has had some ups and downs I would say in the last few years is a bit of a surprise to me I was thinking he was going to get like maybe five uh, but he he got the bank and he did he did what he needed to do as a player so good for him well Ottawa paid him what it would require for him actually stay there I, I and that's probably what the case is I'm just saying like I'm still surprised that it is 6.25 for an RFA yeah like realistically in, in the open market he probably got five five and a half yeah 
but because Ottawa is basically the bottom dweller right now and not really some some place everyone wants to go to right now. And I get that, but he was an RFA, he, right? He, like he I, wasn't gonna they weren't gonna lose him outright. It, like he would still you qualify him and then. Oh, but yeah, they 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 probably would have paid very similar in arbitration, to be honest. Because um, I think it's I think his I think his contract last year was four and a half or something like that. So he probably would have been paid more than that. So he would have contract been last year was three seven five. Okay, so he probably would have been paid probably not as much. In yeah, that's something. Like, he probably would have got the five five and a half that we we just mentioned. Yeah, but but the, I guess the only other thing would be: Do you really want to take that chance and potentially lose him? Right. No, I, I I get why they overpaid a little bit, but I'm just surprised at the number. I think that's really all yeah. I'm surprised with. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, everything else that didn't of, surprise me. No. Yeah. Everything else sort of just minor deals there. Um, let's move on to the skaters, I guess. <laughs> and big names didn't really move until late yesterday, and the first, I guess, I would say. Big name to fall was Tory Krug joining the Blues. Is that that would be the first one, right, boys? Uh, there was obviously other deals like the Leafs bringing in TJ Brody. Um, that's a, I, I would consider that in Leafland a big deal. Justin Schultz is now a Washington Capital. Uh, overpay. Overpay. Justin Schultz is not a four million dollar defenseman. I don't care what you say. He's not a four million dollar defenseman. <laughs> I'm I'm not denying that. I just laughed. That was the first thing that came to your mind when I said Justin Schultz. <laughs> oh, because I, I, I had a big debate with my brother last. Um, I'm trying to look at other big money signings. There really wasn't many. Uh, Radko Gudis was earlier in the day. He got 2.5 for three years in Florida, which really not a surprise there for me. Um, that also yeah. opens up the possibility that Uyghur, it could be on the move. Um, yeah, like. I'm not sure and where he me, ends up, but that just could open up that possibility. To me, that's such a weird situation because apparently they're in on Petrangelo too, which to me does not make sense if they're trying to shed salary for Uyghur and they sign Radko Gudis. Like I, I don't, I get if they if they trade out Uyghur, they try and free up more space for Petrangelo, but right now Uyghurs are not our fit. So yeah, uh, I, I don't know, don't know about that one. I, that um, that would also be like let's take that in if they signed Petrangelo too. What are we saying? Eight mil is the bottom end of what he's probably going to get. Maybe close Not to, to me. nine. Right, right now that's the high end. That's the it high. Okay, so let's say let's say he gets eight though. Okay, just for this exercise, that means yeah. they ha- their top four defensemen are eight mil, seven point five with Aaron Ekblad, six point three five with Keith Yandel, and five point five with Anton Strawman. And and realistically, I think if they do sign Petrangelo, I think that means Strawman's traded somewhere. But that's twenty. Um, that's almost twenty-seven or over twenty-seven million in four defensemen. Yeah, it's like the Leafs, but defense. Yeah. That is what. It is. That's, that's exactly what it is. Uh, I'm just. I would. I would be very surprised if he ends up there. Uh, but the big names are still on the board, like you just said. Petrangelo is still out there. Uh, Taylor Hall is. Still out there, whether or not you consider him a big player or not, I think you kind of have to. Um, Tyson Berry is still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Schneider is still out there. Yeah, like t- to be honest, it's a, it's a two horse race when it comes to big names right now. Yeah, um, it's it's Taylor Taylor Hall and Petrangelo. And Petrangelo's market is 
very limited right now. Um, Vegas doesn't have the money to sign him, even though they're a no. favorite. Um, Colorado apparently was interested, but apparently backed off. Um, I think Colorado's Colorado's doing the Joe Sackick esque signing um, of we're gonna wait and see what the market looks like, and then we'll come back to you just before you sign and be like, so what's that best offer? We'll see if we can match it. Like I think that's what Colorado's doing with everybody. Like they signed, um, I think it was Birkowski today. Yeah, that was that was a lot of money for Burkowski. But he's twenty five, <laughs> right? Like, I thought no, he I was going to get between four, four and five, though, just because four four point nine million. Like, how many points did he have last year? I will look it up. You keep talking. Okay. Um, yeah, and then to me, he had forty five points in fifty eight games, Kyle. Okay, that's not bad. <laughs> uh, it's not bad. <laughs> Is it still worth four point nine? He had seventeen so. points in the playoffs in fifteen games. And how that how that get them? How, how far did that get them? A lot farther than they've been in the last few years. Um, <laughs> they came up against a no, Dallas like, team that that surprised everybody. I'm not really going to complain about how they did in the playoffs. They look good in the playoffs. Yeah, like to, so to me, Taylor Hall, I think, is down to probably uh, probably three teams is what I realistically think. Um, I think it's Columbus, Montreal, and then everybody keeps going back to Colorado as well, picking him up. Um, Everyone wants to play in Colorado. I think, it, I think everybody <laughs> says Colorado because they have the money. I don't know, I know. if it's necessarily. They're also, but there. they also are a competitive team, right? So it's not a bad, it's not a bad place to go right now. No, for sure. Um, it's one of those. Everybody keeps saying them because they have the money. That's the biggest thing. That's what everybody keeps saying. I know. Um, but the other thing is, watch out for Petrangelo. Watch out for Boston. Yeah. Uh, Boston apparently didn't even offer Krug a contract, which surprises the hell out of me. Um, they offered one last year and then pulled it off the table immediately is what Tori was saying. Yeah, which is one of those ones where it's like, really? Like, okay. And they offered 6.6, I believe, and he's getting 6.5. Doesn't yeah. lose. But the oh. fact that, yeah. like, what? Well, also, so I'm looking at Boston right now, and they are screwed next year. Oh, my yes. God. Thank goodness. It's time for them to be screwed. Oh. Thanks. They, well, they have to sign Carlo <laughs> next year. To, Rask and Halak are both a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing is Krejci comes off. Yep. But, like, wow. Kasha they, they has to be signed next year. Richie has to be signed next year. Corrali. Richie's not staying. No, I'm, just, well, I'm, just, I'm just reading off guys who need to be signed next year. I no. don't know. I'm not, I'm not. They, have, they have to figure out who's going to be their 2C next year, so they better hope there's a free agent available. But, um if you add Petrangelo in there, I, I, I can see it fitting. And I think um, that immediately raises their defense and immediately makes them that much better of a team. So um, watch out for them because they right now they have $15 million in cap space. And well, imagine Krug for Petrangelo ends up being the, the swap, essentially yeah, exactly. the swap. Yeah. <laughs> it's a one right. Because um, if they have $15 million, realistically, you think that, you know, I, I think Petrangelo is going to get about $7.5, $8 million purely based on the flat cap. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's pretty much where his limit is. If somebody overpays him and they have the money, sure, but that contract's going to look really bad probably down the road in like three or four years. Um, but then I, I still think with, with Grizzlick and Debrusque's RFAs, they still have enough money because the real estate gives them $7 million to kind of work around the cap for that. So I let's, think that's let's still Let's not forget, though, that 
is Chara coming back? Because he's not listed on their roster right now. Does he come back? Because he's not going to play anywhere else, let's be honest. How much is he going to cost? Um, what else I mean, do we have to fill in, right? I was going to say, realistically, if Chara is who I think he is, and they have to try and fit him in the cap somewhere by signing Petrangelo, I think he'll take, you know, hey, I'll take veterans minimum. Or, I hey, agree. I'm just saying, how much does he cost? Because then you also have you take the Petrangelo contract, the Chara contract, and then fill in... Um, what you still need because obviously they don't have their roster filled out yet, right? So it's just filling in where you need. It it mm-hmm. changes their look and a couple other defensemen that are still out there. Um, I mean, good old Leaf Cody Cece, <laughs> but uh, Sammy Vatanen is an interesting look. Uh, he played in forty seven games last year, got twenty three points. Last year his contract was seven point eight or four point eight seven five mil. So. Does he get that again? Does he get a little bit less? Where does he end up? That'll be an interesting one. Uh, players like uh, Troy Stetcher. He wasn't qualified. Yeah. Where does he end up? Trevor Van Riemsdyk is a solid right-side defenseman. Where does he end up? Uh, there's still some names that could be huge pieces on defensive ends that uh, I- I'm interested to see where they end up. Um, yeah, I think did we cover all the forwards in defense? Any any last thoughts on the NHL free agency here, boys? No, just wait for the next two big pieces to fall, and I think then you'll see some teams actually pick up the remainder uh, free agents, and then you'll probably see a trade. Like, I mean, we looked at Boston quickly, but um, John Moore could be a name that gets moved around if they need to flex that cap. I mean, barely played. So, like, teams like that that have, like, fringe players could be on a trade or could be bought out. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're, sure. just, they're just realistically waiting. Um but, yeah, Tampa Bay situation, I think, is going to be rather interesting as well. I mean, they, they sent Tyler Johnson down, right, for purpose of buyout and trying to save that money to pick up their RFAs. I mean, it's just business with Tampa Bay, and they're still going to be competitive. They're still going to be good. But it's it's unfortunate to lose a guy like Tyler Johnson. For sure. So mm-hmm. I'll pose this. Where do you think he ends up if he gets bought out? Because, I mean, he's still a very good player with experience. Colorado. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, could he be an Ottawa Senator uh, looked at? Just he has the experience. He could be that first or second line center, whatever you sort of need. Um, could work with Brady Kachuk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that could be a possible landing spot. Um, I think so. The Rangers could also be an interesting one as well. Uh, I think Montreal in, could use the center. Put him in Zibby, one two sort of thing. Yeah. Montreal, yeah. Well, Montreal could use everything. Just, just help everywhere. Not like, not in a bad way. Like they looked good in the playoffs, but like they're still young. There's still some holes in that roster. They could use some help all over. Uh, L.A. as well could be an interesting one. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Like, does anybody does anybody think that was an overpayment for Josh Anderson? By the way. What's he making? Five five? Yes. Five point five. Five and a half for the next seven years. I think Do I think it was an again. overpayment? Yes. Do I think he could reach that potential? Yes. <laughs> so maybe. I mean, personally I'm not a fan of long term contracts. You never know what's gonna happen. But I think for Montreal, they get a big body, a guy I think will work better with Julian's system because he came out of a trot system of being a grinder and a heavy hitter. So I think that's I think that's what they paid for is a guy with upside. In all honesty, though, I'm not I'm not too Frogs concerned with the contract. Sports? Sorry, go ahead, Kyle. 
No, I was saying and by trots, you meant torch, right? Yes. Guys, my name's... Oh my God. <laughs> yes, that's what he meant. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not too What's concerned the- with the contract in Montreal only because somehow I didn't realize this. Montreal has everyone that they need signed except for Charles Houdon. Like, everyone else is signed, and they don't have any god-awful contracts on their books other than depending on how you view the Carey Price contract. Right? Like, Which, Shea Weber's the h- highest contract. How, how Carey Price played in that playoffs last year, I'm not worried about that contract. No, I know, but, like, it's, it's we're, ten- we're talking, yeah, We're talking three years down the road when he's 36, making $10.5 million, and that's a different story. No, but that's what I mean. Like, he's making 10 and a half. That's it depends on how you view that contract for a goaltender. Uh but like their their highest paid player is Shea Weber at seven, eight, five, seven. Um and then after that it's Jonathan Drouin at five point five, Jeff Petrie at five point five, and now Josh Anderson at five point five. Everyone mm-hmm. else is less than that. So they have a really good system of I guess contracts. And next year they could be in an interesting position because Tatar comes off at 4.9. Gallagher comes off at 3.75. Uh, Deno, Armia, Lekkinen, or sorry, Deno, Armia, and Wheel are all UFAs. And then Lekkinen and Kotkaniemi are both RFAs, as well mm-hmm. as Victor Mete is an RFA again after yeah. signing a. Next year, a, they're going to be in trouble. They could well, be, but next, they could also not year, be. They could be in trouble, but. Is Tatar going to make 4.8 4. next year? No, he'll no. probably make more like 3-something. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is Gallagher going to get a raise? Probably not. Is Deneau going to get a raise? Maybe to maybe 4, potentially. I don't think he's gonna, worth any more than that. Right. Armia. Lekkinen's not going to make more than 2.4. There's no way. Wheel will probably be around the same. Armia, I don't, I don't know if I'd pay him 2.6. No, I'm just uh, I'm saying. I think he goes down. Uh, the only yeah, one that the, really they have to sign big... The, uh, probably big money will be cut Kenyemi or Mete, right? And that depends on how their seasons go. And cut Kenyemi, hundred percent. I think he's going to get a big raise. Um, well, I hope he gets I a big raise I'm... from the you know entry level deal that he's on. But <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> how much but, is a big I mean, raise? Like I, I'm thinking, it's going to be like the way he played, probably three and a half, four mil. Probably. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's um, still a reasonable contract, though. But I just I just looked at that Weber contract and oh my. He's going to be paid seven point eight till he's forty one years old. Yeah, is that is that what the Preds did? That's yeah. the Preds contract, right? <laughs> Good job, Poyle. <laughs> but you know what? Like, like in the grand scheme of things, it's not the worst contract up until he's like thirty eight. After he's thirty eight, then the contract looks a lot worse. But up until that point, when he starts really being a pylon out there, it's not a bad mm-hmm. contract in, well, in Montreal's we're, books. Yeah. But yeah. We're, we're going to be talking about Montreal in three or four years being, oh my God, why are you paying Carey Price and Shea Weber $18.5 million? <laughs> That'll be a fun con- conversation. They'll just hit rebuild again so they can't afford those guys. Are you going to buy out a tenant and a half million dollars? No, contract? they'll buy out Weber. They will not buy out that price contract. Not a chance. No. But whatever. All right. Let's... We'll, we'll be back after a quick break to finish off with some NFL and NBA talk. Here on Garage Door Sports. Would have been, you're like, yeah, okay, hopefully he lives up to this contract type thing. Uh, but now you're looking at him at 10.9 or whatever the hell it is. And you're like, you're like, he literally has to become one of the best players in the league. And we also have two other players at that exact same contract that have to be the best players in the league. Can he live up to them? 
So. Also true. Yep. Let's jump into the NFL and the NBA, but we'll start with the NFL first. NFL finally had a COVID case in week four, and it sort of became a mini outbreak. Uh, one game getting pushed to, I think it's week eight? Eight or seven? Yeah. Eight. Seven. Seven? Seven. Okay, seven. Um, and, like, the, there's some big-name players that have now caught COVID in the last week and a half, mostly from the Patriots, unfortunately, for my two co-hosts, uh, Cam Newton and Gilmore. Both, you know, the two best players on your team have now caught COVID in the last week and will not play probably again this weekend. Um, the NFL seems to be sort of hiding stuff in – in the announcements and I was really confused because apparently the Titans opened up their facility today for training, even though they had a positive test Thursday. And I thought it had to be two days in a row where they didn't have positives. Like the reporting is very, very hit and miss and inconsistent. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on, on everything that's happened in the last week with the NFL and COVID? Um, I think it's kind of the uh, very similar to the worst case scenario we kind of imagined. Um, where it's just, it's, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg, um, especially with, you know, if, uh, if players aren't following protocols or not doing masks or not doing, you know, distancing or whatever it may be. Um, it seems like these zoom call practices are like, people don't care about them or whatever. And then it seems like Would once you? they actually get back to the church. No, I wouldn't because it's, it's different. I think maybe if you're a rookie, it's a different story because you're, you're a little more focused and stuff like that. But if you're a 10 plus year veteran, do you care about this? No, you don't. Um, I, as much as I love football, um, I kind of hope that they just smarten up. Um, I think the biggest problem was they tried to go in individual stadiums, and I think realistically they needed to do some sort of bubble. I don't know how you can do a bubble, but they kind of needed to. Whether I actually be, thought you know, of a way to do the bubble. We'll talk about it after, but continue. So, um, I, I think that's the biggest problem right now with the NFL is um, it's not going to stop. That's the biggest problem, um, unless teams smarten up and follow the protocol. Yeah. Earth uh, on you. And by, oh. by the way, Newton is on track to play on Monday. He is? Yes. How is that possible? Because he had uh, two negative tests uh, two days okay. in a row. All right. Good. I mean, that's great. Like, I'm glad he's okay. I hope yeah. all of the players that test positive are okay. That's not my point. I just, I'm surprised. Earth uh, on, what are your thoughts on everything that's happened? Um, I think very similar to you guys. I I think they're hiding something. Like there's, they're not being transparent with the media. They're not being transparent with each other. I mean, realistically, a bubble would work. But at the same time, it's just you gotta follow the rules, right? I mean, when we counted like the baseball teams, we counted the NHL teams, and I think the NFL teams have the biggest roster that course, they have yeah. to carry around, right? And I think that's why it's such a huge risk of developing COVID or you know you're not following rules or like the state that you're in isn't as tough as another state and so like there's that discrepancy um I think the biggest surprise for me was uh, I told you guys this morning but Ian Rappaport um will be off air until October 22nd for something he posted like I didn't see what he posted but Kyle you were saying that it was the Titans training facility question mark yeah so basically <laughs> alternative training facility over that way um, basically what happened was, um, at least to my knowledge was Rapport tweeted out a picture of the Titans practicing on the high school field. Um, 
after apparently Ryan Tannehill asked the high school coach to use the field. Um, it was one of those ones where it's, I guess it's a breach of the NFL's privacy or whatever it may be. Um, but to me, it's just the NFL trying to cover up how bad, how bad and poorly they are actually handling this situation. Um, mm-hmm. And Rappaport is kind of the, the fall guy for it. Um, he's trying to expose them for, you know, breaking protocol and essentially putting hundreds of people at risk by hundreds, if not thousands of people at risk by practicing altogether after they essentially did test positive for COVID. Um, Exactly. And they were told to just, Hey, sit at home. And I I get the NFL players mindset where it's, Oh, I can't stay home. I have to practice. I have to train. I have to do whatever. It's also about health and it's not about you. I don't, I don't give a crap about whether you can do your weight training for an hour a day. I don't care about that. Yeah. It's about the other people that are, you know, who knows? People at the high school could finish to contract it if they go inside and go use the change rooms or whatever it may be or whatever happens. Where it's a like, kid watches the practice, touches the yeah. football of yeah. one of the guys Get who tested positive, football. and then they go touch yeah. everything in the school. Like, there's so many different ways that it could have gone across, right? Like, and 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 Rapport is the fall guy. That's the biggest problem. Is um, the NFL had to have a fall guy for it because they can't have that information leaked out onto the internet. Um, because NFL is trying to conduct it internally, and it's it's he unfortunately he's the he's trying to be a good Samaritan, and it it, it worked out not in his favor. So. In the week leading up to Week Four's games, so I guess I'll I'll do the dates twenty seventh to October third. There's twenty six positive tests in the NFL. Twenty six. There's only 58 positive tests from August 1st to September 26th, and most of those came in the preseason, or all of those came in the preseason except for one, and it was a, a personnel, not a player. I think the the players are just getting back to trying to get back to what they know as normal and not thinking that anything's going to happen to them, and it's that they can't go that way. And yeah. apparently there's conversations where the NFL is now talking about maybe shutting down for a few weeks uh, up to potentially up to four weeks just to try to restart and reset everything. Um, I think my concern with that is if players aren't following protocol in season, why, why in God's name would they follow protocol out of season when they don't have to report every day to COVID testing centers and do all this, mm-hmm. right? Like why, why would they, they, they wouldn't have any reason to other than the fact that, you know, human beings should be protocoling right now. Pandemic, yep. like God, but some people, some of the players just aren't. I don't want to say they're just not bright enough. Like that's not right, not the word I want to use. But they're just not aware enough. I think is a better way to put it. Of yep. what's yep. really going on. I think if they if they contract it, they're like, well, I'm an athlete. I have the stamina. I have the immune system to fight it. So bring it, you know. And I don't think that's the correct mentality especially if you're around people that are vulnerable or people like your family that might not have the same immunity level as you yeah and the bubble idea i came up with by the way because the way the the nfl schedule works is you play every team in your division twice and then you play what is it two other divisions is that right something like that something like that right okay here's the deal folks we're gonna put you and one division in a bubble together. There's that's that's the situation at the moment. It's not perfect. It's not ideal, but that's how it's going to work. 
either that or you're going to play every team in your division eight times. Not actually. <laughs> I think I think it would end up being like six times, but to get it right, like that's that's what we're coming down to at this point. Like if you're if you aren't going to follow protocol, we're going to bubble you the hell up, and <laughs> you are going to be wrapped treat in bubble like wrap. Kids. Yeah, let's treat you like kids if you're going to be like a kid. Yeah. Right now, it's never going to happen. The NFL will never go to a bubble, and they won't make it work. But if they don't figure out something in the next, I would say, next two weeks, if we're still seeing tests going, especially across teams, something's got to give. And either they're going to take that four-week break or teams are going to just be missing games and DQ'd from games. And no one wants Mm -hmm. to see that either. So it'll be interesting to see. There's also some, you know, actual storylines going on the field, but I think the biggest story right now in the NFL is the fact that COVID is affecting it finally. Uh, Let's move on quickly to the NBA. I just want to get your thoughts on the NBA Finals, boys. Uh, I think it's been a very fun final so far. I know game one sort of put a damper on what could have been with Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic both getting hurt, missing a couple games. Jimmy Butler also picked up an injury in that game, but he's looked fine since. Uh, Last night we saw it go down to the wire. A couple misses at the end by the Lakers. Uh, Everyone's going to make fun of the Danny Green miss, but I'm going to be honest with you, the guy is not the 3 and D player that he's been touted to be for the last few years. He's definitely a defensive player. Like I think he's still a good defensive player, but the three-point shooting just hasn't been there over the last few years in the playoffs. You can't really – when he misses an open shot like that, it's not that he missed an open shot. It's just that's sort of who he is at this point, I mm. think, in his career span. Um, but Anthony yeah. Davis picks up yeah. an injury in game five, and I think that might affect game six more than the Bam out of bio injury taking him out of game two, in my opinion. Kyle, you, you started talking. I interrupted again. Yeah, it was Danny Green is Danny Green. But Andre Drummond could have hit that three-pointer from that wide open. Literally nobody was within 20 feet of him until he jumped out at him. And even then, jumping out at him, I'm pretty sure he was still six feet short of him. Um, I know. I, I'm not denying that it was a bad miss. I'm just saying, like, don't expect Danny Green to be making a ton of threes like he used to. When he was on San Antonio, he was a 3-and-D player. And he was a very good 3-and-D player. He hasn't been that player for a couple of years now. No, and, and realistically, it's one of those ones like that type of shot where you're that wide open is a practice shot and you have just an open gym and you're by yourself at the three-point line. That should have hit. And Jimmy but- Jimmy Butler admitted it too in the, in the post-game interview, and I found that hilarious. said, yeah, we, we won because Danny Green missed a shot. That's literally what he said. And, and, it's, it's, and, and by the way, Jimmy Butler has become a, a god in these last – three games carrying his team um, because he's literally like other than him a hero. He's literally the only team player left. Um, uh, Bam's been back the last two games. Yeah. But Bam yeah. hasn't been Bam. But it helps though. Like it, it takes, of course. It, it gives, it gives some more space, right? Cause they have to respect Bam yeah. um, in the paint. And I, I think honestly, I think as long as Jimmy Butler keeps going off the way he has, um, Miami's got a chance. And, I haven't haven't watched a whole lot of games, um, if I'm being honest. But from what I from what I hear and from what I see, is it seems like 
Um, LeBron's doing everything he can, but his supporting cast really isn't helping him out as much as yeah. It's just it's just Davis. It's LeBron and Davis, and if they're not putting up godly numbers, the rest of that team isn't contributing enough to win a game. And if, if, if Anthony Davis does miss time and does miss the next game or is limited in the next game, that could be a big factor. Yeah. Irfan? Uh, Jimmy Butler's been a beast. Like, it, it's weird to, to compare, but he's been better than Davis and LeBron at the same time, which is crazy. Um, but that's been Jimmy Butler all year for the Heat is he's taking on that role. He's been like, give me the pressure and I'll do it. All you guys have to do is be open for a tray. So Robin uh, is a hero, right, for a tray. Or Kelly Olynyk being able to shoot a three. Duncan um, Robinson. So Don't forget Robinson. Duncan Robinson, yeah. So, like, you see they have three or four guys that are hitting their threes because Jimmy Butler is being respected and given, like, and he's creating space for these guys, right? Like, there was a play last night where he drove to the rim, got three Lakers on him, and just did a soft underhand pass to Adebayo, and he just... Like right there alone, because that's what he's doing is they have to go after him. They have to guard him and they're doing it, but he's leaving on their guys alone. And I think that's the difference And the Lakers. I mean, Danny Green, in my opinion, I've been watching the Lakers through these finals is I don't think he should be starting. Caldwell Pope is more of a three and D right now than Danny Green has been for the last couple of years. Yep. I mean, Pope had a, a great shot last night. Um, it was in the second or third quarter where he got the ball. He was under pressure, got the three. And then Danny Green had a jumper, a two-point jumper, and aired it. And you're like, okay, dude, you're a championship pedigree player. You're playing with LeBron. You're playing with Davis. You're playing with Rajon Rondo, who, by the way, has been great for the Lakers. Um, Dwight Howard, for some reason, has been a good defender this year. So, like, there's something going on with Danny Green, and I don't think he should be starting. And I think if they can make that adjustment, I think the Lakers can win. But goddamn, if Jimmy Butler pulls this off and the Heat beat the Lakers, that's another knock on LeBron, unfortunately, because I think this is LeBron's best teammate in a very long time. And I'm putting that question out there is I think comparatively through his career, like Dwayne, uh, sorry, D Wade was great. Um, Chris Bosch was great, but I think Anthony Davis is the most complete player he's played with, and this would suck if the Lakers can't pull it off. That's all. That's all I'm putting there. I agree. I actually posed that to a few of my classmates when we were just shooting the shit in between classes. Um, is Anthony Davis the best player that LeBron has ever played with on any team, regardless Heat, regardless Cavs? Is he the best player that LeBron James has ever played with? I think it is. I think he is. Um, the next question is, is Anthony Davis better than any player that Jordan played with? If we're talking goat-to-goat comparison. Well, I, to, me, to be honest, that, that's that's one of those ones that's a, that's a we'll see answer. Yeah. Um, because I think, I think other than Pippen, there's really nobody else you can compare with AD at this point, I don't think. Um, I think saying. he's above everybody else right now. Um, is, is, okay, so here I guess the next the, the better question is: Is Anthony Davis the best number two in NBA history? Like on a on a team, is he the best number two player on a team? Because LeBron James is clearly the number one. He will still be the number one on this team, at least for another year, in my opinion. Is Anthony Davis the best number two to ever play on a on a NBA team? No. 
Like in in all the history of the league, yeah. no, because you can look at Kobe and Shaq and say that was a great was period, cool. right? You can look yeah. at Magic and you can look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar even at the end of his career, right? You can look at. Well, that's um, what I'm wondering because like I agree, Magic and Kareem was a great duo, but Kareem was at the end of his career. He wasn't the same player that he was the rest of his career with mm-hmm. Magic, right? So I think Davis might actually be better than Kareem was with Magic, as good as Kareem was. Don't get me wrong, I think Kareem was a great player in L.A. But I think Davis might have just been a little bit better or is a little bit but, better than Kareem was at that time. But to answer your question, no, he's not the best one-two punch, unfortunately. I think there's a list of players. Like, I'd still take Jordan and Pippen over LeBron and AD just because uh, this is the first, like, full season these two have played yeah. together. I, I mean, I would like to see maybe another year, another or three years of this. Like, it's yeah. three years of consistency, right? That's the only difference. I don't have the answer. It's not like a yes or no question. I just I was just and, posing it because I think it's an interesting yeah. an interesting but, thought. But in reality though, this is the best all around player LeBron's played with. Yeah. Like defensively, offensively, posting up, setting picks, playing ISO ball if they have to, for example, I think A D is better than D Wade and Chris Bosch. I also and think Kyrie he complements LeBron a lot better. Like, yes. LeBron is a guy who wants the ball in his hands. He wants to shoot from the outside. He doesn't necessarily – like, he can get into the paint. But I think LeBron would prefer to be shooting, like, mid-range so that he's not bumping bodies all the time. Yeah. Whereas LeBron AD is a guy who needs to be under the rim, who – he can shoot the three, but, like, his his best game is under the rim in the paint, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think if D-Wade was in his prime still when LeBron was there, D-Wade's the best player he's played with. Okay. Uh just because of D-Wade's playmaking ability, D-Wade does not need the ball as much as everybody thinks he did. No, I agree. He, he, I don't he think was he probably one of the better, if if not the best defenders in his prime. Um, and I think that if, if LeBron came two or three years earlier when D-Wade carried that team to a championship, um, it could be a whole different ballgame. Like we could be talking about one of the best duos ever. Probably, um, and, and that would probably would have been like uh, LeBron doesn't leave Miami and, and is still there, yeah. essentially. So like, look at it in the flip side: LeBron and Jimmy Butler on their team, for example. Like that wouldn't work. Could have been the tra- no, but it would have been the trajectory, trajectory potentially. Yeah. But um, but see, that but, wouldn't work. I don't think that would that would ever have worked out with LeBron and Jimmy on the same team, just because I think they play a very similar style. I just don't think it would have meshed well. Uh, on a team setting. I think they're both great players, and I think they both need to mm. be on separate teams just so they can both succeed. Well, for for that, you literally look at Jimmy Butler and Philly, and that's basically what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah. But I think Eric Spolstra has done a good job with this, this Heat team, I think. If this goes to seven, I think it's anybody's game. But the Lakers are in the driver's seat, I think, for one more game. For one more game. Here's the fun stat. Ready for this? The Heat have not lost a game they're 6 and 0 oh when Jimmy Butler scores more than 25 points. So I think if you're the Heat, you let him score 25 points in the first half and then just let him get at least one in the second half. He needs to score more than 25. But if he can score more than 25, they haven't lost yet. What That's is his, what are his assist numbers then for that? the last 3 or 4 games he's averaging a triple double. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't. I didn't look specifically at assist numbers. I'm sorry. No, no. Sorry. I was looking at points. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying because he's been so good off the board. He's been so good distributing. He's been setting up plays. Like he's the one who starts everything. I think. How do you how do you stop a guy who's who's rolling like he's hot? Like how do you stop him? Like AD's been defending him, but AD went down yesterday. I think in the second quarter and, and didn't look the same coming yeah. back. Um, he has three games with eight or more assists in losses. He's three and. Yeah, and then he has two games in wins where he's had eight or more assists. So when he's getting more assists, they don't do as well. Mm. He needs to be scoring, apparently. So there's that. <laughs> um, so we'll, see, we'll see what happens Sunday, then. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see. And I think it sucks that Dragic, Dragic isn't playing. I can I struggle with his name. I apologize. It sucks that he's not playing because I think if – if both teams were fully healthy, this would be an even more entertaining series because the the head-to-head matchups would be very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, the Heat have done there, what they had to do. When Dragic was there in Game 1, the Heat had a, had a sizable lead, and they were playing much better than Lakers. So, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, if you're the if you're uh, LeBron there, you're like, yeah, hey, we need to finish it off before before anything else. Yeah, we they if you're LeBron, you're walking into that locker room after the game and being like, boys, you better get your damn rest, you better get your butts to practice tomorrow, and you better come ready to play Sunday because I'm not playing a game seven. Like that's yeah. as LeBron, you have to go in and say exactly that. Yeah. And is this the first time they've lost wearing their Mamba jerseys? This I believe postseason? it is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I hope that's a little bit of fire under under the tail or the butt or whatever it is, and the tail or the butt uh, isn't that the same? Area? I don't know. Same general I don't area. Know <laughs> what the saying is, guys. Uh, and if I'm Danny Green, um, I'm spending the next day and a half shooting over screens and trying to hit threes. If I'm Danny Green, I'm taking the next day and a half and practicing my open three. <laughs> Also, what the hell was Morris doing at the end of the game trying to pass it down to uh, AD? I don't know. It, it seemed like a <laughs> moment where <laughs> it's yeah. just trying to get it to your best player and then you're not thinking. I get it. Yeah, like to be honest, it's a smart play, but he... But it wasn't. Played. Like, if you actually look at the court, LeBron was wide open. Like, he looked, he looked one direction, looked at AD, who was covered by Bam, by the way, at the time. And said, screw it, I'm throwing it down to the net. When yeah. LeBron was literally wide open, just inside the three-point line on the far side, he had seven feet to himself all the way around. You yeah. get him the ball, yeah. he takes one step as the defender comes out to block him, takes a two-point shot right there, and you're back Le in the brick. lead by a point. LeBrick James. LeBrick ain't going brick from that far out. Like he, he had seven feet by himself. He would have made that shot. He's not Danny Green. <laughs> all right <laughs> that, was too, that was too easy uh, <laughs> so let's uh let's wrap it up um quickly Irfan, final thought for the week uh can i share too quickly too quickly too, yeah too, they too. gotta be quick though um okay so yankees lost last night uh i'm questioning if alex boone might be the right guy or is something off in yankee land because they have a fantastic team i'm just a little aaron boone yeah, okay. Uh, and the other thing was, so uh, on Touchline Thoughts, it's a little plug here. We've been covering the NWSL, and uh, so they're, they're doing something called the Verizon Community Shield, well, where the winner will of the league will get 
$25,000 to their community partner. Uh, second place is going to get 15000 and third place is going to get 10000 for donations and like they're partnering with small businesses and programs within their community. So I think that's a fantastic way to engage and promote the NWSL who, by the way, I hope you guys get a chance to watch. It's been great soccer. Um, a lot of fun to watch. Um, it's on Twitch. So, uh, watching Canadian players, I think there's 14 right now playing. Um, it's been great. Uh, the dash Christine Sinclair. Don't forget her. Yeah. Leading the league as of two days ago when I checked. So I'm not sure if that's still a, thing after last night but uh yeah check it out it's fun nice kyle final thought um i just want to congratulate sue bird on winning her fourth championship um storm pulled it out um and to be honest dominated the entire time if i'm being honest um and then uh, i'm interested to see how covid affects the nfl still again this year or not this year but this week um, see if there's any more positive tests. Obviously, the Jets got cleared to play Arizona after they had some false positives or false negatives or whatever it may have been. Um, and then, obviously, with the uh, Patriots game and the Bills games being moved to Monday and Tuesday, respectively, um, is this the new norm of how the games are going to go? I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. No, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they continue to uh, manipulate the schedule to try to make sure that they can get this uh, season done, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, my final thoughts, United, figure your shit out because it's not fun to watch right now for anybody involved. Fan or not a fan, it's still not fun to watch. Um, and I love my the final thought, not sports-related, but from you guys specifically – I, I love that both of your final thoughts were about women in sports. That's great. I love it. <laughs> I know we're big proponents of it here, and we've said it many times, but that is really awesome that we continue to do it, guys, and I appreciate it. So uh, that'll do it for this week's episode. Make sure you tune in next week. We will probably be talking NFL once again. We'll be hoping that maybe Pietrangelo and Hall have signed to talk about those results. Uh, we will have an NBA champion at that point, so we'll also talk lasting legacy of this bubble season and whatever else comes up next week. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Garage Door Sport, on Instagram, at Garage Door Sports. You can follow us individually as well, me at Nick McVicker, Kyle at Kyle Vardy, and Irfan at Irfan Manji. Go figure. Uh, we try to tweet out fun information all the time. At least I do. I don't know about you guys, but I try. Kyle did a great job covering the NHL draft, and now he knows what I go through for most drafts. <laughs> how how'd it go, buddy? Really? How What were your thoughts about that? It, it was good. It was um, The draft was a lot quicker than it normally is, so it was a little bit hard to try and keep up with trying to stay awake and uh, tweeting all at the same time, and then obviously doing the picks, and then Trying to give my personal of what I thought of each player. Um, it's kind of hard to come up with a breakdown for some of the players that are actually picked because <laughs> I had never heard of their name before in my entire life. What, like China? Uh, like China. That and the Russian 150-letter last name dude that, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. not supposed to go in the first round, so I was not expecting him to be. Yep. He, was supposed to, he was supposed to go maybe second and third round, but I was not expecting first round, so I was not ready for that. Um. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was uh, a long night, but it was fun. Good. Now you know what I deal with. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so make sure you follow us. We try to give out sports thoughts every once in a while. A lot more coming from me right now, and Irfan with all the soccer stuff going on is awesome. I, I appreciate that. You can follow all of us at Garage Door Sport, as I mentioned. Check out our website. Check out our other shows as well because they are a lot of fun. Touchline thoughts, 20 minutes on ice, a couple more in the pipeline as we've talked about. That They'll be coming out soon. I'm going to keep I'm gonna keep saying it until they come out, but they'll be coming out soon, and uh, we will see you next time.